Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Pod Save the King! Hello and welcome to Pod Save the King. I'm your host, Zoe Forsey, and I'm joined by Russell Myers for a look back at the last 12 months and what has been a truly historic and life-changing year for the royal family. How are you, Russell? I'm all right. I mean, God, to put it mildly, right, what an incredible 12 months. I mean, I'm just looking through the notes going through what has happened over the last year and it literally has been a roller coaster of epic proportions i mean not to you know not to uh to, to mention obviously the, the late queen's passing but everything that has come before and after it it's uh it's been a whirlwind few weeks since the queen passed away in september but the uh the eight or nine months before that were pretty jam-packed as well weren't they well i think Going back and kind of working out the plan for this episode, as we've we've both been doing for the last couple of weeks, there's so much stuff that I completely forgot happened, which I know does happen every year, but it feels like kind of every part of my royal brain has been taken over by the you know the the end half of the year uh, following the Queen's passing. So obviously there's an awful lot to talk through, so we're not going to be able to you know, go into detail on everything. Also, I would like to point out that we are cheating a little bit and we are recording this on the 19th of December. So if there's anything that happens that's massive in the next kind of week or so, we haven't purposely left it out. It just hasn't happened yet. So, and also that is a little a little secret that we are cheating here. Now, of course, we can't not, not start with the passing of Queen Elizabeth II, who passed away on the 8th of September at her beloved Scotland, Scottish home. Now, that kind of started off a D-Day plan, which was 10 days of official events, engagements, kind of official technical legal things for both the Queen's body and also the rest of the royal family. Now, that was a very strange time um, that obviously both you and I were very involved in, Russell. What kind of stands out for you as the most, you know, the kind of takeaway moment of it? Well, it ended, I mean, it ended up being 11 days, didn't it, in the end, because of the the, the nature of the, the announcement of her death came quite late in the afternoon and because all the family were sort of struggling to get up there. I mean, on the day itself, I, I just remember, you know, um, some feverish activity in the morning about the, that we'd heard that the Queen had been taken ill, potentially suffered a fall overnight or in the morning. There was an awful lot happening at Balmoral. Lots of people I normally speak to weren't picking up their phones, and then the people who were were sort of, you know, expecting the worst, unfortunately. And um, and yes, it did sort of turn out that the, the Princess Royal and, and Prince Charles, as he was then, 
managed to get over to Balmoral and sort of spend the Queen's final moments with her. And indeed, she had been taken ill overnight into the morning of uh, September 8th. And and um, there we saw this sort of huge rush of the royal family trying to get up to, to Balmoral to be with the Queen. And unfortunately, they, they didn't, most of them didn't make it in time. And there was an announcement that she'd passed away. I think he came about half past six in the evening. And uh, she passed away, I think it was half past three, wasn't it, that um, she passed away in the afternoon. And of course, in that moment, I suppose that that whole day was just spent thinking, well, you know, if, if the Queen, even, even if it was announced the next day or later that evening, that, that life pretty much wasn't going to be saving him. Because, you know, most people in the world only know the Queen on the throne. Um, and I don't, I don't think that's really, you know, over-egging it because the, you saw the outpouring of emotion throughout the whole entire world. Um, you know, the, 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 those 10, 11 days across the UK, uh, from, as you said, bringing the Queen's body back home, as it were, um, back to, back to England, back to London was, um, was filled with like, you know, a, a great deal of sadness, but. I I saw a great deal of positivity on the streets of the whole of the UK. The people who were queuing up to do the vigil. I know that you and I were both fortunate enough to to go there. I was really fortunate enough to to go to to cover the vigil of the princes and uh, when it was at Westminster Hall and indeed the funeral as well. But I saw you know Britain at its best. Um, an awful lot of people coming together. Um, to remember an incredible legacy left behind, but also to try and kick off, um, I suppose, the King's reign or just the future with a lot of positivity because I suppose people people don't like change, especially change as seismic as that. And um, there was an awful lot to be proud of, I think. Now, you mentioned briefly that they're lying um, in state and there was... We can't not mention it in more detail, but the the queue, as it is now capped up, I think, is the you know the official thing. And this is where people were queuing for what eleven, twelve, thirteen hours to walk past the Queen's coffin. And I think there were lots of people who perhaps would never have visioned themselves doing something like this, but it really did hit the nation. And so many people that I spoke to who didn't really, you know, don't really describe themselves as huge royal fans, huge royal followers, but felt so moved in the occasion that they wanted to go and stand out in the cold just to be part of that and just to pay their respects and to kind of say their their personal thank you to the Queen. There was also the huge floral tributes that took over kind of uh, the areas around Green Park um, and, you know, kind of a, they weren't in front of Buck- Buckingham Palace like we saw for Princess Diana, but they did them really well, actually, and all kind of they, people laid out all the flowers into different arrangements. And, of course, the Paddington Bears, uh, which have since been cleaned up and sent off to new homes uh, through the uh, charity Bernardo's. But it was all these kind of these really sweet moments, as you said, the, the best of British and all these lovely moments that kind of came together and brought people together, which I think we, you know, members of the family have said, I think it was one of your sources said that William said that the Queen would have loved the Q thing she would have found absolutely hilarious that you know well no he said that he said that to people at in the queue uh, outside it, yeah. uh on the near near Batsy Bridge I think I mean listen I, mean, I thought the 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 whole family as you would well imagine held themselves together um amazingly well certainly the the king's schedule was absolutely incredible going up to the four corners of the UK his speech to the nation which I thought was rather well really really positive 
straight off the bat. Um, and then of sorry, course, that was the know, speech that was the day. Was it the? It was the day after, wasn't it? Yeah. The day, yeah. and that was um, in that me in that speech was when he kind of said that Kate and William would become the prince and prince and princess of Wales. He also sent his love to Meghan and Harry, which many people weren't sure if he was going to do. But that was a real. And I think I think he got a lot of kind of. A lot of people had a lot of respect for him doing that. Um, you know, people weren't entirely sure about what Charles's reign would look like, but I think he won a lot of people over in that moment. Yeah, there was. A lot of, there was a, I think that goodwill is still carrying on. I mean, you've seen him at the the, the Sikh temple last week. He was um, he was at a Jewish community centre having a bit of a boogie with some of the uh, the, the uh, uh, people who are part of JW Three, which is a, a, an organisation in North London. Um, he met Anne Frank's stepsister as well. And I think, you know, these community events, regardless of the chucking of eggs, which has, you know, marred his first few weeks uh, within his reign, um, I, don't, I think that's something that potentially they're going to have to get used to, isn't it? I mean, there is a little bit of ambivalence, more so than when the Queen was uh, was on the throne. Um, and I think it is a bit of a testing time for the, for the royal family. Um, but I do think there is a groundswell of public support towards Charles and the rest of the royal family, um, and it's just about how they go because obviously there's there's lots there's lots of issues at play, isn't there? There's people will will feel that potentially there is um, an awful lot more to be bothered about in the day to day life than the royal family, and sometimes that's hard to argue with, isn't it? Now, as well as getting new titles. Uh... Prince William and Kate had a huge year because, you know, obviously we've, we've mentioned the death of the Queen and the impact that had on them in terms of them moving up in terms of their level of seniority. But they also both, both turned 40, which is one of the things that seems ages ago. And those three gorgeous images we've got of Kate in the red dress and the kind of very royal, royal outfits. And they also, they left London. They, they moved house. They moved their children uh, to different schools. They yeah, moved, Ken, moved out of Kensington Palace and moved into Windsor, uh, which is a huge, you know, that's a kind of, for most families, that will be enough for a whole year to keep you busy and to settle in. And that now just seems like a little, obviously happened that same week that the Queen passed away. Um, and, you know, we've had... Oh, sure. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. And there's been like, you know, some nice insets that they're all, quite, you know, the kids are settling in really well there, which is lovely. Um, and we saw a lot more of Prince Louis this year, which I think has been a big hit. Obviously, we will talk about the Jubilee uh, in more detail later, but it, I think it's fair to say he stole the show a bit there, didn't he? With his great <laughs> little smiles, his, you know, kind of climbing all over Kate during the pageant. It was... Yeah. He did. I mean, it's quite interesting that um, and a lot of people have been speculating whether we'll see uh, Louis during the Christmas walkabout at Sandringham this year and sort of what he'll be, but... Um, I was reading back up on it. I think Charles, uh, George rather, joined the walkabout when he was six. Obviously, then he was then sort of supporting um, his sister. She was only four. Charlotte was four when she joined it. So, will they let Louis loose on the uh, <laughs> on the royal walkabout? I mean, he's just absolutely stole the show. And I, I think that it's talk about humanising the royal family at times, and certainly the. the it's an age-old institution. It's very, very difficult sometimes for the royals to feel, feel and appear as normal as a normal family. But him yeah, messing around, putting his tongue out, poking his uh, hands up at his, at his mum while she was frantically trying to get him to behave in front of the cameras, um, I thought was very, very sweet. And it's sort of that 
that aspect of the royal family is um can only be a good thing because uh sometimes they it all seems a bit alien doesn't it of things that are going on in the world and how the royal family sort of fit into our day-to-day lives but i'm sure everybody could sympathize if they've ever had a naughty brother or sister or a you know troublesome child or or niece or nephew or whatever so fair play to louis because if he does uh, appear at yeah, um, the Sunday Walkabout at Christmas, I'm sure that'll be, you know, front pages all all out. We also saw what seemed like a, quite a change to how the Cambridges, now Waleses, do their royal tours. And instead of the bigger tours, we saw a few of the smaller ones. So Kate uh, went to Copenhagen and we had that great shot where she went down the slide at the Lego Foundation Play Lab. They obviously went to Boston for a few days for Earth Shot. So it felt like kind of, we had lots of smaller little tours, but we did, however, have one of the more traditional longer tours uh, when they went to the Caribbean, which was back in March, which I think disastrous is potentially one of the more positive kind terms to use. Well, you know, it depends what side of your fence you're on. I mean, uh, we all got a bit of a stick by trying, you know, telling it how it was. I mean, I, I was there. I will defend that to the hilt, but I thought that parts of it were really well uh planned out and they went really well they were loved by the people that they were there well not all of them because there were protests in belize, you know, belize uh jamaica and the bahamas but the issue is that that is going to be something that they are going to have to face there are 14 realms um that potentially do not want to continue their association with the royal family indeed well whether it's completely getting rid of the monarchy as indeed um, the, uh, Barbados has done, Jamaica potentially following suit fairly soon, uh, Antigua Barbuda has already said that they're out. Uh, so I do think that the nature of that relationship is going to change. However, when I, I have spoken to uh, the Prince of Wales as he was then, the king, and he said, you know, we're not here to be rulers. We are here to be partners. We are here to tr- you know try and change will be supportive of a change in relationship if that's what those individual countries want. So fair play to him because he'd already got well ahead of it, I think. Um, but it is about sitting down. I mean, you're looking at the Dutch royal family who have com- com- commissioned a big three-year report into their role and involvement within the slave trade. I mean, there's been calls for reparations from the British royal family uh, in that respect. Um, and, you know, we we did see... Prince William go further than um, than any other member of the royal family has done before. He you know, talks of his profound sorrow of the the, the appalling uh, slave trade, um, transatlantic slave trade. So I, I definitely think that will be an order of the day. Whoever goes, whether it's Charles and Camilla, whether it's the Prince and Princess of Wales, they are going to have to get on the front foot and make sure that that is top of the agenda. I think that was probably one of the main criticisms i would have of uh, william and kate they always seemed to be trying to catch up and uh, and didn't get ahead of it and it's a massive issue so one would assume there'll be a lot more planning and uh, research into places that they go but you said about smaller tours i i th- again i think there will be there will be smaller tours because you know william and kate have doubled their workload almost haven't they because harry and megan are here um Charles and Camilla, I can't see them doing, you know, big three-week-plus tours like the Queen did. I mean, she was going away for months at a time uh, when she took over the top job. And William and Kate don't want to leave the kids for for much for, for that amount of time. So 
smaller tours, maybe more of them. It would be better to see 2023 as the year of doing more little tours and visits like the Boston one, three days in and out, still getting a good um, a good amount of press, good amount of uh, traction behind, behind the Earthshot Prize, if that's, uh, you know, an example of, uh, of how the new tours could be run. Now, let's go back to one of the highlights of the year, and this was the Queen's Platinum Jubilee celebrations, uh, which happened in the first week of June. Now, Brits were given two extra days off as extra bank holidays, which meant we all had a lovely four-day weekend. Now, as there was so much going on that weekend. We had the traditional Trooping of the Colour. We had George, Charlotte and Louis' kind of uh, carriage debut. Um, which saw them kind of, you know, waving to waving to everyone who was out to see them. There was, of course, the party in the palace on the Saturday night, uh, which we saw the really cute, fantastic kind of little clip, the little, uh, what's the word she's looking for, sketch she did with Paddington Bear. Um, performances from Queen. We had performances mm. from Hamilton, the musical. There was so much uh, in that show. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, there was also a service uh, of Thanksgiving. Uh, we had Meghan and Harry back in the UK for the celebrations, which was lovely. You know, whatever your views, it was lovely for the Queen to have her whole family together for those occasions. But yeah, it was it was just such a nice occasion, wasn't it? As you said before, best, best of Britain. Uh, we had the the Platinum Jubilee Pudding Competition. There was so much going on. Oh, yes, on. the trifle. 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 They fit so much into it, and it was so lovely to see. We had two balcony appearances, one with kind of more of the family, and the the second one on the last day of it, which just kind of had very much the core. Well, there's just the queen and her heirs, yeah. isn't it? I mean, that was the you know the the queen and her heirs, the the Waleses as they are now, and um, the the sort of gave an indication of what the queen wanted to be that lasting memory because. You all assume that would be the last time she would be seen on the balcony. Um, a lot of anticipation as to whether that would happen. Um, um, I mean, my my enduring memory of that was obviously the people on the streets. It was a fantastic weekend of celebrations all up and down the country. The weather was amazing. The fly past of the seventy yeah. aircraft was absolutely phenomenal. I mean, when the, the sort of World War Two bombers were coming, Lancaster bombers were coming over, that was pretty emotional. Uh, and then just the scenes really and I think that it was kind of what everybody had been calling out for because there'd been an awful lot of transition from sort of a COVID world back to trying to get back to normal and um, and everybody kind of needed that and unfortunately it was you know only a few weeks later that the, the Queen passed away and we were kind of celebrating her life in a different sense um, but also com- commiserating what we'd lost I suppose. And there was also lots of behind-the-scenes stuff from the Jubilee, which we don't normally get to see. Um, you know, with Mike Tyndall sharing all the pictures of his hats when he was trying on Zara's hats. We had Beatrice and Eugenie pitching, you know, pictures of them side by side in their dresses, the kind of you know royal hugs and stuff, which was just really nice because it felt like for me a family celebration as well as, you know, a national well, celebration. Yeah, a national, yeah. yeah, and it's a national. I mean, you talk about the things that we do best. Uh, and uh, what an advert for Britain. It was incredible for that that weekend. Not a drop of rain, everybody sort of out um, in for, I mean, what, a million million people on the streets, we'll be saying that. It was pretty it was wild, wasn't it? All down the mall. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was crazy. I mean, definitely hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. But then you had all the street parties up and down the country. Everybody got behind it. And I suppose whether you are a royalist or not, you just, everybody wanted an excuse to try and get together with their neighbours 
rather than sort of meeting them on the doorstep and bashing a saucepan and clapping the NHS, which was which was a real moment of togetherness in a, a, such a time of adversity. But it was nice to see everybody get out and enjoy the occasion. And again, like I said, things we do the best. Now, we mentioned Meghan and Harry briefly in, well, kind of talking about the Jubilee because they did attend. Well, they didn't really have a, they had a very small role um, in the official events. But they that was one of three visits they made to the UK this year. And it feels like it's kind of gone from nothing in the last two years to to lots, which was lovely. Now, they made that secret visit to Windsor uh, just ahead of the, I think it was ahead of the Invictus Games. Yes, and just the before the, he went over yeah. to the Hague, yeah. Because obviously, oh, sorry, not the Hague. It was um, Dusseldorf, wasn't it? That was it. Yeah, because obviously Harry came back for his grandfather Prince Philip's funeral last year, but Meghan wasn't able to join him because she was pregnant with Lilibet. So they kind of snuck in, and nobody really knew they were there, which was which was really lovely. And they promised to come back again with the children, which they did for the jubilee. And then obviously they made that third visit for the funeral under you know far you know, very different circumstances. But so it meant that Lily and Bette got to meet members of the royal family, including the Queen, for the first time, which was really lovely. And hopefully the family got the chance to make some nice memories there, especially with George, Charlotte and Lily Bette and Archie and, oh, who have I forgotten? Louis, you know, the five of them together, I think would have been really lovely. Yeah, well, you know, things have soured a little bit since then, haven't they? I mean, we've yeah. after this Netflix series that uh, I would say that relations are particularly strained um, across the family, especially with the way that Harry and Meghan um, conducted themselves in parts of the documentary, because I think after watching, um, I've watched it a couple of times now, and I think that six-part series, and I, I'm sure that people, a lot of people, will find sympathy in their calls, um, but it's it's you know kind of difficult to see a way back um, for them, and even if they really want a way back, I mean, in some senses. Harry and Meghan spoke of a sadness, but I didn't see much self-reflection on why things had got to the way they were. They were very keen on um, blaming everybody else for their uh, for the for the situation they'd found them in. But maybe 2023 is the uh, the year of reconciliation. I mean, we still do have Harry's book, of course, that is going to uh, to really upset the apple cart. One would assume, and reports over the weekend say that. There are things contained within the book that are going to be much more explosive than the uh, than the Netflix documentary, which was in the final three episodes was pretty pretty damning towards you know calling Prince William a bully, essentially saying he was shouting and screaming at him, calling his dad the king a liar when they were trying to work out the Sandringham summit. I mean, it's it was pretty punchy, and I felt I felt a great deal of sadness and. You know, families are difficult things at the best of times, aren't they? But maybe after Christmas, after the King's speech, you never know what is round the corner. So maybe there will be, uh, you know, olive branches from both sides, chances of reconciliation. But I suppose we should have this conversation after we've seen the book. Also this year, Megan had her podcast series, uh, Archetypes, which, you know, while it wasn't for everyone, it has been hugely praised by others it's won awards uh, so that was a you know her sitting down each week with a different uh, influential woman she had paris hilton on there gosh who else did she have on there i can't remember yeah. 
Sorry, did you say you said Serena Williams? Oh, Serena Williams, that was it. Yes, yeah, so loads of that was you know, the that was the big names. name, I suppose. Serena, yeah. Oh, Mariah Carey. Oh, Mariah, Mariah Carey. Carey. Yeah, oh, that was gosh. the big name. Yeah, Mariah and Serena, two huge names. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, really nice to see. It feels like they've had, obviously, they announced these huge Netflix Spotify deals kind of quite soon after quitting quitting the royal family, and now you know we're starting to see what's you know what it's actually going to look like, which is really exciting. They've also just before we've come in here to record as well, actually. They've announced another Netflix show, which will be going live on the 31st of December, um, which is kind of speaking to in- inspirational leaders uh, from around the world, which they are presenting and producing. So we're excited to look at that one as well. Now, quick shout out before we move on to other bits, but I think my favourite royal of the year and the winner of 2022 in Royal Land for me is Mike Tyndall. You know, from his <laughs> jubilee hats to going in the jungle to telling stories about, you know, ripping his trousers in front of his mother-in-law, Princess Anne, and, you know, wearing those teeny tiny swimming trunks to go for a swim. Um, how did, you know, again, seems like a while now, but did having the first royal campmate on I'm a Celebrity get me out of here live up to your expectations? Well, I think he's a good egg, isn't he, old Mike Tyndall? And he's uh, he's willing to have a laugh at himself. I like the, uh, I don't know if we can say whatever dropping it was, but him doing a, uh, a you know, sp- Splitting his pants when he was dancing in front of me. <laughs> those uh, that can't see, uh, Russell has just uh, reenacted. I just did it. I did it. Yeah, I, I reenacted. Yeah, I haven't split my trousers, yeah. but uh, if I if I probably got off my seat, I probably would. <laughs> um, I think I think he's a good egg, Mike, and I think he is a good ambassador for the royal family. You talk about slim down monarchy. He's sort of doing it in a different way, in a sort of uh, soft diplomacy way, shall we say? And and people people like him. Did he come third? He uh, no. no fourth. He just fourth, missed out on fourth. the final, and again yeah. he seems to for me doing that kind of, you know, obviously they're much lower down than you know they're not senior roles. They've never been working roles, but he manages to do the commercial side of it. Do that, you know? He does his podcast, which is brilliant. Um, you know, to do shows like I'm a Celeb, but to still keep that kind of royal respect, and you know, he knows where that line is, and. I think treads it very carefully and very, very well because then he can still go to royal events, royal engagements and, you know, chatter with the Queen and King Charles and Camilla and, you know, there's there's no awkwardness there, which is really lovely to see. Now, going way back to the beginning of the year uh, and the, the first kind of few months of the year, I'm pretty sure that every podcast we did was very much dominated by Prince Andrew mm. um, and kind of more, you know, controversy around around him well i mean god it got the got the year off to a bang didn't it i mean as soon as the year i think it was on the third or the fourth thinking about it uh, of january that prince andrew was notified that he would uh, have to face a, a, a civil trial in the u.s over these allegations of sexually assaulting a 17 year old who we know was virginia Jeffrey. Um, and this sort of brought it to a head, this huge long-running saga that dogged not only him, but really put a, a dark cloud hanging over the monarchy. He'd already been forced to... Uh, well, that, that was the, the issue of standing back from his royal duties for good, and there was certainly no way back. But within weeks, we had him uh, reaching a settlement of, of £12 million to Virginia Giffray. Some of that was going to her charity... You know, the Queen being involved in that payment as well, him having to offload his uh, his Swiss chalet, which he has finally done this week and been paid an awful lot of money for, but essentially left him high and dry. I mean, he has um, found no way back into the royal fold. 
Um, certainly persona non grata for large sections of the family. And, uh, you know, in complete disgrace. I mean, he's he's had to sort of just disappear into the background. And I can't imagine a situation where he will um, have any opportunity of coming back because certainly his mother is no longer with us. She was his biggest ally in that sense. And it's all rather tawdry and brought, you know, quite a bit of disgrace upon only himself, but I said, uh, as the royal family. And, 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 and moving forward, the king and Prince William, who are trying to do things in unison and trying to sort of fight fires all over the place, it seems, will have no interest in uh, in him being front and centre, regardless of whether he's got a seat around the, uh, the Christmas dinner table, I suppose. I think one of, for me, one of the most kind of shocking moments of the year was at the memorial service for Prince Philip, which I actually had to check wasn't last year, but it was this year, um, when the Queen walked through those doors and she had... Andrew kind of on her arm helping her in and I remember the newsroom just everyone going oh my gosh because as we said that you know other members of the royal family didn't want him to have such a big role but the queen was determined to keep her you know as he was often called her favorite son you know by her side and supporting her throughout well, I mean, that was sort of his undoing, well, wasn't it? But it's still trying to sort of flamber to be together with his uh, with his mother, still trying to, to put himself front and centre. I mean, in one sense, he would have thought that he, he would try to draw a line under this, but public opinion weighs heavily in these cases. And, uh, and there is, it would be foolhardy to have thought anything different. The fact is... Um, he was embroiled in, in in quite a, uh, a, dis- a disgraceful court case in the first place. I mean, we must say he'd, he'd always denied any involvement, um, having even having met uh, or having recalled meeting Virginia Jeffrey, and the, and the but the issue still continued to dog him. And the fact that he was forced to pay out a considerable amount of money in order to make this go away um, meant that his position was untenable. So he's. Uh, you know, I don't really know what he's doing at the moment because sometimes we see him out riding the, the Queen's horses. There was um, he's 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 often in Windsor, but there's a there's not really a way back for him into royal life at all. Now we've we kind of expected this to happen when Meghan and Harry quit their jobs, but I feel that this year we've really seen uh, Sophie Wessex in particular, obviously Prince Edward as well, but we've really seen their profile kind of jump up and doing a lot more engagements and. She obviously had it. She was very close with the Queen and she had a very, very kind of prominent role in the funeral, you know, both the viewing of the tributes, but also the funeral itself. Um, obviously, and I know that you've worked with uh, Sophie on quite a few events before. What have you seen of the kind of change in the last 12 months from her? Well, when I suppose, you know what, you don't see a change in the way she operates because she's kind of been doing it all along. Um, but I suppose it stands to reason there are less members of the royal family. There are... There's more interest in them because Harry and Meghan aren't here. Um, they also had a bit of a tough time when they went to the Caribbean. As I said, I think the the royal family are going to have to to put up with this and try and get ahead of it when they are visiting um, Caribbean or African nations. That there will be these calls uh, for them to comment on the uh, the atrocities of the slave trade, uh, and they've got to get ahead of it. I mean, in terms of Sophie. She was absolutely adored by the Queen and is a, a big hit with the rest of the family. So they would do a lot worse to put her, you know, front and centre of some major projects and to try and highlight the work she is doing because there there is space for that to happen within the family. There is definitely a, um, 
uh, a calling for it as well. I think people want to know a bit more about her, about what she's doing. And, and she is, she's a popular member both inside and outside the family. So 2023, what do I always say? I always say more collaboration needed before between the royals. They need to definitely start working together. I mean, the, the king made his, uh, his Christmas speech last Tuesday and I was told it's definitely about things of togetherness. Obviously, he's going to be mentioning his late mother, talking about unity and coming together at Christmas, but no truer words said, I suppose, for his family and what that means for their future together. And kind of personally for the family as well, Lady Louise, uh, Lady Louise Windsor has gone off to university. Uh, she got her A-level results and packed up her bags and went to St Andrews following in the footsteps of Kate and William, which was really lovely as well. Now, Lady Louise is obviously the Queen's and Philip's second youngest grandchild after James. And so really exciting to see her starting this new chapter of her life as well. Now, uh, Princess Anne, of course, is always the hardest working royal, according to, you know, most of the reports you see. And it's been more of the same this year, hasn't it? We've done, she's done lots of, lots of important work, carrying on her mother and her father's, you know, work. And of course, we can't not mention, you know, she did that absolutely epic journey when she followed her mother's coffin all the way down from Scotland on planes and in cars and sitting on motorways, which must have been something extremely difficult to do um, kind of emotionally and mentally. Um, but what, you know, what other engagements have, have stood out for me from her diary this year? She popped off to the Falklands well, and did tell anyone. She, she did, yeah. She did. She popped off to the Falklands, you know, big, big, I think it was a seven-day trip. She's uh, She's been in New York as well. She's been to Africa. I think there's uh, an awful lot that goes under the radar with Princess Anna. And, and of course, she, that's the way she's operated. Again, she's at the top of the tree in terms of the hardest working royals of notching up 200 odd engagements. Um, not, uh, I think she's done 200 and, or 300 odd in 2019, I was looking at earlier. But it's all about the royals trying to get a grip of the situation in the new year, I think, because the king. Is going to have a few months till his uh, till his coronation, May the sixth. We're going to be looking forward to that. And you know what does it mean? He's definitely got to hit the ground running, and he's going to need the the, the support of his lieutenants around him. And uh, definitely one of those major ones is Anne, and um, and try and take the weight off of him, I suppose, because he's going to have to do a lot more travelling around the country and around the Commonwealth, um, to try and get his uh, his legacy off to a good start. So, uh. Hopefully, we'll see a bit more of Prince Anne, but, you know, she probably doesn't want to see us because she doesn't need like, hanging around with the press, so she just likes to get on with it. Now, as you said, that was a very kind of quick run-through of some of the biggest headlines and the biggest talking points from the last 12 months. Uh, I actually sat down with Sarah Bradbury uh, to talk about some of the fashion highlights. Uh, it's been so long since she's been on the show. So next week, we have another bonus episode, which is Sarah and I talking about some of the fashion highlights uh, from 2022, including Kate, Meghan, Camilla, uh, and Prince William's uh, looks. Now, Russell, what was your highlight of 2022? I'll go first because I put you completely yes. on the spot with this and you've probably not had a chance to think about it. But mine was Party in the Park. So that was the day of my birthday. So me and lots of friends went down to Green Park and just to be, I was dressed in a Jerry Hallowell style Union Jack dress looking very, very cool. Um, you know, just everyone dancing. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, everyone dancing around. We were kind of dancing with strangers next to us. We were singing to every song. 
that for me was not just my kind of royal highlight of the year. That for me was a highlight of the year. It was a fantastic day. And also during the Jubilee, we Dan Jackson, our lovely producer, made his pod save the, well, queen as it was at the time, but his podcast debut, which was really, really lovely. What was your highlight, Russ? Uh, do you know what? I loved the Jubilee. I still think about it very, very fondly. Huge privilege to have been in some of those vantage points, whether it was at the Mall, at Green Park, um, at St Paul's. There was some, you know, some amazing scenes. Spoke about the flypast earlier. The balcony moment will live long in the memory. But even though it was an incredibly solemn event, I um, was hugely, hugely privileged, honoured, emotional to have covered the Queen's passing and everything that meant. And I thought that um, not only the the family but the country did her incredibly proud and uh, what a what a moment in history we were all part of and uh, I think we can look back rather fondly of it and uh, and hopefully kick 2023 off with no negativity lots of positivity and uh, and try and try and get things off to a good start would be nice now, thank you to everyone uh, who's listened to Pod Save the Queen and then Pod Save the King in 2022. From everyone here at the podcast, we hope you have a very nice uh, New Year's Eve and you enjoy your celebrations. And Russell and I will be back next week to talk about the Royal Christmas and everything that everyone got up to. But until then, Happy New Year, Happy 2022, and until next time. Pod Save the King! 